Good morning, and welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church's online streaming worship service. My name is Pastor Michael. It is my first week here with you all, and I thank you for joining me during uh, our worship time. There is a copy of the bulletin um, as a PDF file that will be in the comments section below this video if you're watching on Facebook. Um, so please check that out. It has everything you need to follow along, including the sheet music for the songs, um, and everything else. So um, I thank you for joining us. I know this is not the place I think any of us were, were hoping we would be. Um, we were hoping to be together in our sanctuary, um, but we will get back to that time. Um, for right now, we're going to continue to uh, do our services online, keep everybody safe and healthy. Um, so I thank you again for joining me, and I invite you to uh, open that bulletin file, uh, and we're going to start with our first song, number 361 from the United Methodist Hymnal, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. If you would join me in our call to worship give praise to God praise the Lord for it is God who saves it is God who forgives it is God who delivers give thanks and praise to the Lord our next song will be hymn number 368 also from the United Methodist hymnal my hope is built 
if you would join me now in our opening prayer. O God, who is our strength, you have protected us from those who would seek to oppress us. You have shielded us from those who would seek to destroy the good gifts you have put in us. Your love and power never fails. Thanks and praise to you, our safety and stronghold. We exalt you, O God, majestic in holiness, for there is none like you. Amen. Now would normally be the time we would do our offering, um, but since we can't, we're not in the same uh, space, uh, I would just like to uh, thank those of you who have continued to send in your tithes and offerings. Um, even though we're not able to do everything we normally do, uh, those funds really make a big difference for us to continue to operate, um, keep the bills paid, and, and still do some ministry work that we're able to do. Um, so I invite you to please continue to send those in as you are able, um, and uh, you can always mail stuff into the church. Um, so I thank you for that dedication. Um, if you would join me now in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come before you in the midst of this pandemic, praying for an end or at least things to turn in a better direction. I ask that you continue to watch over us, help us all to be following the guidelines that our health organizations have put out so that we can be safe, so that we can begin to maybe turn the tide. I also want to thank you for all of those essential workers who continue both in the medical field and other fields to allow us to function, to help heal us, for us to still have access to resources that we need. We ask that you would watch over them all, keep them safe and healthy. And God, we lift up all of those who are suffering, not just from the effects of this pandemic, whether physical, emotional, or mental, but also those who are suffering from other things that are not related directly to this pandemic. Just because the world seems like it's kind of on hold does not mean other things like cancer and other illnesses are not still ravaging through our communities, our loved ones. God, I thank you so much for everything you do for us, for your saving grace, for the forgiveness that we receive from you. Help us to be willing to forgive others, to follow the life that Christ has lived and the examples and teachings he has given us. May the Holy Spirit dwell within us all, empower us to be good examples of your light to the world. All of these things, as well as those we keep quietly upon our own hearts and minds, we lift to you this day in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us confess our sins to God who forgives and saves. If you would please join me now in our prayer of confession. Gracious and loving God, you lived for us. We have not lived for you. You have forgiven us. We have not forgiven others. You have loved us. We have not loved ourselves, nor have we loved one another. Take pity on us and forgive us, God. Help us to forgive. Help us to live for you. Help us to love through Christ our Lord. Amen. You please take a few moments for silent prayer and confession. People of God, our sins are forgiven. God is merciful and gracious and is Lord of us all. Reconciled to the God who loves us, let us live and love through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you would please join me in our prayer for illumination. Holy God, your word is strong and leads our feet to your holy dwelling place. Strengthen and guide us with your word through the power of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ, or in Jesus' name, Amen. Our first scripture reading for this morning comes from the third chapter of the book of Colossians, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our next song from the United Methodist Hymnal is number 98, To God Be the Glory.
Our second scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payments to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But the same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their lord all that has taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you would please join me now again in an attitude of prayer. Holy and loving God, despite our failings and sin, you continue to forgive and love us. You loved humanity enough to send your only Son to save the world, and he brought not only salvation to the world, but also his teachings on how we should treat one another and live our lives in accordance with you. Help us to follow his example of love and forgiveness for one another. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, <clears throat> here we are, sort of. This first Sunday with the new pastor, I know some of you may be excited. Um, what new things are going to happen? I also know that some of you may be feeling worried or scared about what new things are going to happen. Let's face it, change can be a scary thing. As humans, we, we very often tend to resist the changes in life that come about. We can see this in the changes that occur in our immediate community and the larger world. Every four years, our country holds an election for the office of the president. Now, to the best of my knowledge, no one who has run has ever been elected with 100% of the vote. And when we look at the immediate aftermath of an election, especially a presidential one, there are always those who are not pleased with the new change. 
Even a change as small as moving a piece of furniture in your home to a new spot can cause unrest. And if you're not careful, stubbed toes or bang knees. What is it about change that we fear so much? Is it really just the inconvenience or the stubbed toes? Well, in the case of a new pastor, I think it's a little bit more than that. New pastors have a tendency to add or remove things from the service. They might pick weird songs that nobody knows. They move things around. They're just kind of different. And all of these things, all of these differences, mean that sometimes the important things to us in our churches and our worship services can get lost or changed. These are things that are part of our identity, of who we are. And when they're changed, our identity then is changed. Our history is changed. We are changed. And that can be scary. But today I'm not wanting to really talk to you so much about change, but I do want to acknowledge that as your new pastor, that is a reality of where we are, how some people may be feeling. And I'm not bringing this all up to prepare you for some great change that I'm planning to drop on you. I promise I've been paying close attention, not only in my time in ministry, but also during seminary when our instructors talk to us about how you make changes in a congregation and um, what can happen if you do things too quickly or without the proper preparation. Um, and I have witnessed that myself, both in my own ministry and in uh, just being a member of a congregation. So um, change for change, change for change sake is not a good practice, especially in churches. But this morning, um, we're going to be starting a new sermon series, um, and the next four weeks, I'm going to be preaching on some of my favorite passages from Scripture, um, and the hope is that by doing this, it'll help you get to know a little bit more about me, um, about how I understand faith and love and God um, and humanity's relationship with God and with one another. So instead of me talking more and more about change, I want to talk to you today about forgiveness. Now, it's not always an easy topic or reality in which to operate, um, but it is one that many people have offered their thoughts and opinions on uh, over time. For instance, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Pretty powerful. Or we also have American author uh, Marian Williamson, who once wrote that forgiveness is not always easy. At times it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet, there is no peace without forgiveness. Again, valid points. And then Dutch-American television personality and former model uh, Yolanda Hated 
was once quoted as saying, I believe forgiveness is the best form of love in any relationship. It takes a strong person to say they're sorry and an even stronger person to forgive. Now, in our first reading from Paul's epistle to the Colossians, Paul is again trying to help instruct and encourage a congregation on how to live into the teachings of Jesus Christ. This epistle is actually attributed to both Paul and Timothy, who was an early Christian evangelist and the first Christian bishop of Ephesus. Paul was a mentor to Timothy and would often entrust him with important work. Timothy would become Paul's disciple and later his constant companion and even co-worker in preaching and teaching in their travels to evangelize and spread the good news. Now in verse 13, the church um, in Colos is told, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So right here, the church and us now today are told very clearly that we need to forgive each other just like God forgives us. And you may notice the language in that uh, section of text, it echoes the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Now, in our second scripture reading today from the Gospel of Matthew, we heard about forgiveness as Jesus spoke with Peter and the other disciples. Peter asks Jesus how many times he should forgive someone who has sinned against him. And Peter even offers a suggestion of seven times to forgive someone. Seven! So, just to give you some background on why Peter would have even asked Jesus such a question, we need to know what was going on with the disciples at this time. There was most likely a recent dispute between Peter, uh, or when Peter, had some kind of uh, objection, or he had something of special envy. Um, and Peter, he tended to be pretty forward in continually answering for all of the other disciples, uh, which caused some tension, to say the least. He was... Uh, the person whose hand went up first, or he would uh, speak as if he was the, you know, the head of the disciples, speaking for them. And <clears throat> and as insinuations were perhaps made over and over again, Peter wanted to know just how often and how long he had to to stand the grumblings and the complaints and all of this other stuff from his other disciples. But can you really blame him? I'd like you to take a moment and think about someone in your life, someone you love very much, like a spouse or a child or maybe a parent or a friend, and think about how many times just this past week that you forgave them, whether it was out loud to their face or maybe just quietly in your own heart. Chances are that if we followed Peter's suggestion of just seven times, we would soon run out of people in our life who would be forgivable. Our lives would be empty of loved ones, and I think as a whole, the world would become a very miserable and lonely place in ways that we can only really imagine. And what about our world today? Where do we see the message of forgiveness portrayed? 
I hate to say it, but I don't feel like very much in popular culture. We only need to turn on our televisions to some of the live competition type shows like Big Brother or other reality shows like The Real Housewives to find a much different message than forgiveness. Although for those of you unfamiliar with Yolanda Hadid, who I quoted earlier, she actually starred on one of The Real Housewives shows before, so maybe there is a little something there. But to be honest, from my experience, one of the primary messages in a lot of those shows is about revenge and retaliation and definitely not forgiveness. Even in many of the cooking competition shows that I personally enjoy, the need to win a lot of times seems to trump any sense of forgiveness or compassion for others. And not that we should be taking our cues for living from television shows, but it does show in a way where our priorities lie sometimes over what God's priorities may be. It seems any time anyone feels wronged in any way by another, the first thoughts are revenge or retribution. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch these types of shows or you should not seek justice, not at all. It just seems to me that forgiveness has gotten a little lost in our world today. Peter talked only, or talked only forgiving someone seven times. It sounds to me like the world Peter lived in maybe wasn't quite as different from our own in some respects. When we look back at what Jesus responds to Peter with, we find not only hope, but an important lesson. Jesus says to Peter, not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. Now, some translations actually say 70 times seven, which would be almost 500 times. 500. That's a lot, right? 500? It's way more than, than all these fingers. I mean, I think, I think we're going to have to start having to carry around big notebooks or binders full of paper to keep track of that many times forgiving, right? Or maybe there's an app for that on our phone, 7 times 70 um, It's a business opportunity for someone. But no, that's, that's not what Jesus meant. His point was that we should always forgive each other and not keep track of how many times we're doing it or stop forgiving one another when we reach a certain number. Did you know that the words forgive, forgiveness, forgiven, and forgiving appear almost 150 times in the Bible? It seems to be something of a reoccurring theme, I think. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus even includes it in the Lord's Prayer that he teaches to the disciples in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, using the words, Forgive us the wrongs we have done, as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. It's probably safe to assume that's where Paul was drawing from in that epistle to the Colossians. But did you notice something? <clears throat> Jesus makes an important distinction in that statement. Forgive us as we forgive others. We are asking God to forgive us for the things we have done wrong, just as we forgive others who have done things wrong to us. So logic dictates that if we do not forgive others, 
how can we possibly ask God to forgive us? If we're not willing to forgive the sins of others that they commit against us, we are not only failing to follow the teachings of Jesus, but then we're also failing to even try to live our lives as Jesus lived. So as I, I would say stand before you this morning as your new pastor, but I'm actually sitting down and I'm on your computer screen or your phone screen, but as I am here before you as your new pastor this morning, we, uh, we're in a unique place, you know, and even though some people sometimes have the idea that because you're a pastor, you're somehow perfect or you don't make mistakes, I'm here to tell you that is not true. I know it's very shocking, but it's just not true. Just like all of you, I am human and I sin. I make mistakes. Really, I do. I promise. And it drives me nuts, too. I don't like doing it, but I'm human. I have said things that I don't really mean and I wish I could take back. I have sworn when I have cut myself trying to do home improvement work or when someone has cut me off in traffic. As you know, I'm from Illinois and having worked in the city of Chicago, driving into the city of Chicago, that was a regular occurrence. I have hurt people and caused pain to people, and I regret those actions every day, praying for forgiveness not only from God, but for the people that I have sinned against. And there will come a time, unfortunately, but there will come a time, I promise you, that I will say or do something that will upset or hurt each and every one of you. It's going to happen. I will forget your name or fail to recognize a contribution maybe that you made to the church or your community. Um, I'll forget an anniversary. I will sin against you at some point because I am human and I am flawed. Now I also promise that those sins and those failings will not be done with malice or evil intent, but they will happen and I hope that in those moments, you will be able to forgive me. Something else that I also know from my time in ministry and just in life is that there will be moments that each and every one of you will sin against me in some way as well. You will say something that is hurtful to me or maybe do something to be disruptive to the ministry work of the church. Because just like me, you two are human and have not yet moved on to perfection. And I also believe that those sins will not be done with malice or evil intent. But again, they will happen. And I am promising you right now, in this moment and always, together today with you, when those things happen, I will forgive you. Because that is what Jesus has taught us to do, what God, Jesus has called us to do, what we ask God to do for us. Throughout the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus, he challenges and calls his disciples, as well as us, to be different than the dominant culture of the day. 
he calls us to care for each other, to forgive each other, to love each other. Jesus calls us to change the world in which we live through our actions and how we live our lives. Think about how this world could be better if we all forgave and loved each other like Jesus forgives us and loves us. So, as we <clears throat> begin to close our time today, as you go about your week until we are together again, I'd like to give you a challenge, a request. Forgive. Forgive one another and also forgive yourself. And that is an important part of this request, this challenge I'm giving you. Forgive yourself. God calls us to forgive, and if God forgives us, we need to also then forgive ourselves. And follow the words of Jesus and always let forgiveness lead your heart. It's not going to be easy. In fact, a lot of times it's going to be very, very hard. As humans, we're flawed and we commit sins against each other. People are going to hurt you in life. People are going to sin against you. And it is a normal human reaction to be angry, to be upset, to want to hold that grudge to get revenge. That's part of being human. But let us always try and do our best to live lives like Jesus did and forgive one another. Amen. Our final song this morning, again, comes from the United Methodist Hymnal, number 378, Amazing Grace.
Friends, now as we close, I invite you, walk in the strength and confidence that God guides your feet. Therefore, live for God. Show mercy and love one another. May the God who protects and defends keep you in safety, mercy, and love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining me this morning for our online worship service. I hope it has been uh, a helpful time for you in whatever way you might need. Um, and I am looking forward to uh, not only uh, seeing, or not really seeing you, being with you in worship um, over the next few weeks uh, online, but also again when we can be together in person. I hope you have a wonderful day of last week and go in peace.